let you in on a little secret here, but if you're ever looking for me on a Monday morning early, I am actually out surfing. So if you want to come surfing, that's fine. But that's what I like to do on Monday mornings, go out and surf. And this last Monday morning, I went out and I was supposed to meet my friend Sammy Weiss, but he slept through his alarm clock, but that's a different story. He did eventually show up. His grandparents are up here. But, uh, but anyway, I, I paddled out and typically when I go surfing, I either start um, on the beach and I, I literally just stand and take it all in and I, I praise God there. Or I sit out on my board and do it. I love just sitting on God's creation. But on Monday morning, I had the most amazing experience. And I, my friend Sammy, he'd caught a wave, and I kind of pulled back, and I turned to paddle back towards the next wave coming. And in the wave was literally two dolphins. You could see the perfect silhouette of these dolphins swimming, and they weren't 10 feet from me. And I'm watching them swim by. They must have been going 30 miles an hour, just flying, and I'm watching them the whole way, and as the wave breaks, they just jump straight out of the wave, and I was like, wow, I can't wait for Sunday morning to tell everyone this story, so they have to listen to me, but I was literally, it was that moment, we were like, oh, thank you, God, for that, what a moment, And, and I got out of the water a little bit later, and I'm standing on the beach just going, Thank you, God. It was just this moment of, of praise and thankfulness, and it was a great way to start the week. And so if you're looking for me, that's where I'm at tomorrow morning. But, uh, but then the week started. Monday was, was okay. It started off good. And then Tuesday, I don't know what happens, and got a little frustrated with some things, got a lot of stuff going on. We're trying to paint our house and, and work on our house, and plus we got lots of stuff going on at the church. We've got... We've got a nursery moving into our church. There's just a lot of things happening, and it was stressful. And, and I don't know what happened, but I got really busy. And you know what happens when I get really busy? I start to put aside the things that are really important, like stopping and going, oh, thank you, God, for this moment. I, I go, I don't have time to do that. I've got all this to do. And for me, I, I've shared before, I went through a bout with depression. And when I start to get anxious... I start to have those feelings again. I start to have those dark feelings, and it begins to spiral very quickly. And pretty soon, I am angry at myself. I'm angry at myself for feeling this way. I'm angry at our dog because he's a dog, and, a, and it's just everything is, is happening. And, and I got to a place, and I'm writing a sermon about praising God, and I'm in this place that I should not be. And then I read Psalm 40, what David wrote. And I just want to read to you because this was the pivotal moment of the week. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. And he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. And he set my feet on a rock. And he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. I love that psalm. David cries out to God. He lifts him out of the slimy pit and he sets his feet on a rock. Then what's he do? He gives him a song of praise. What a place to be. Today, I want to talk about living the rich life. 
a life of praise. And before we do that, I'm going to tell you this. It was a story that someone actually shared with me. And, and in sharing this story, they, they began to tell me that this guy moved to the Midwest long ago. It was back when, like he said, land was cheap in the Midwest. And I would say, well, land is still cheap in the Midwest. But that's beside the point. But he, he bought this nice piece of land, just him and his wife. And it was, it was enough to begin planting a field and he bought some cattle and it was a really small little farm and and him and his wife they loved it they loved the house they loved the land and it was so nice and he quickly became known in his community there as the praying farmer because every morning he would get up and he would go out to his land and he would literally praise God he would pray for a half an hour every morning before he began his day and, and as the years went by God just just made his farm this amazing little piece of soil that just produced so much. And in each year, they would barely get by. Him and his wife would high five. Look, we have a little bit of money left at the end of the year. God provided for us again. But, but each year, he would buy something a little bit more with that little bit of money left over. And his farm began to grow, and he began to buy more animals. And when they first went there, they discovered this little community church that they loved to go to on Sundays. And they made a commitment to each other that every Sunday we're going to take the day off and we're just going to rest and honor God. And that's going to be what we do. We go to this little church and, and it became kind of who they were. Everyone knew him as the praying farmer. Now time goes by. And as time went by, his farm began to really prosper. And he bought more and more land, more and more animals. And pretty soon, he was the biggest farm in the whole area. And with being the biggest farm, he began to make a lot of money. He began to hire employees to take care of things. And in his morning prayer time, when he would go out and pray, he began thinking, man, this is a half an hour that I could be doing something productive. And so he quit doing his 30 minutes of prayer in the morning. And pretty soon, things got so busy because, you know, he just had lots to do and had lots to take care of. And pretty soon, Sundays became quite an inconvenience to drive all the way to town and, and not to work. He had to work. He had to keep up with all this. So pretty soon, they would go to church every once in a while, but mainly to tell everyone how well he was doing on his farm. And the praying farmer quickly became the wealthy farmer, and that's how the story went. There was no real ending to it. It was just kind of this sadness that this guy and his wife, they celebrated so much. Then life got so busy, and then he died. And that was it. There's really not a big climax, is there? But there's a story that Jesus tells very similar, and I want to read it to you. And this is the story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night, then who will get everything you work for? And this is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. And this story seems very much like it's against a rich farmer. 
But that's what he did wrong. He was wealthy, right? And if you look at this and you go, was it about him being wealthy? Because wealthy isn't bad. We all want to be wealthy in all honesty compared to the rest of the world. We all are pretty wealthy. But being rich isn't bad. But what happened to that praying farmer is his life got out of balance. The story that Jesus tells, this, this guy, he was pretty humble. And then all of a sudden, all this good things happen. And you quit praying. And you quit praising. And you start working. And you start to fill your time with all these other things. And the problem is when life gets out of balance, well, that's when things start to get messy. And honestly, the farm, the wheat, the animals, to a wealthy farmer, those are his treasures. And we all have treasures, don't we? Treasures, they tend to crowd out our time our attention, our affection, our, our mental space. You see, just a little bit later in Luke chapter 12, Jesus says this very wise thing. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, we all know that's true because we've all experienced wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. And what's funny is at the beginning of Luke chapter 12, right before he talks about the rich farmer, really the rich fool is what Jesus calls him, the whole story came from because some guy wanted Jesus to tell his brother to give him the inheritance he was due. And so he stops whatever Jesus is doing and says, hey, would you tell my brother that I deserve the inheritance that's coming to me? And Jesus goes, well, that's not what I'm here for. I don't care about your inheritance. And he said, in fact, you need to be careful because life does not consist in the abundance of what you have. Life is not about your treasures or your things, right? And so then Jesus goes on talking to the crowd and he tells them, hey, don't worry about all these things. In fact, what you need to do is just seek the kingdom of God. Seek that above everything else. You see, he's telling these people that you shouldn't set on what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Now, there's some common sense here. We all need to eat and we all need to drink. And I'm very thankful you wore clothes this morning because we need those things. And God knows we need those things. Uh, but the problem is we set our hearts on these things. What you eat, drink, and wear, those are all they're temporary things. Those are earthly possessions. And so here's what Jesus says. He goes on in verse 32 and he says, For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where there's no thief that comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Go sell your possessions. It's extreme. I, I get it. Jesus was quite often extreme. But the whole point of this is, man, if this stuff, your possessions, is so time-consuming that you don't have time to spend 30 minutes praying or praising because you're too busy, you have to go take care of your treasure, take up this. He's saying, listen, what's more important are eternal things. We're so worried about our inheritance, but we're not worried about our brother. We're just worried about him giving us the money. 
We're more worried about things of this earth, our treasures, than we are eternal things. And so the question is, what is our treasure? What's your treasure? Or what things do you value greatly? Well, there's money. I, I get that. We all want money. We all want more money because that's, well, it's the world we live in. It, it makes things a little bit better. There's some good country songs about that that I won't quote right now. But, but people want money. And it becomes a treasure. It really does. Whether you don't have it or you do have it, it can become a, a treasure. And then there's things like cars and other possessions that we own that we want to take care of. You want them to be super nice. And then I can step on my own toes and say there's all these hobbies like surfing and golf and maybe collecting things. I don't collect things, but I, I like surfing and I like golf. And, and there's times that those become our treasure. There's work. Whether we like work or don't like work, sometimes if we're bragging about work, we, we get obsessed with work. It becomes our treasure. And then there's, well, the things we look at all day, our phones, our computers, video games, television. It, there's all these things that when we really stop and think about it, we go, man, are those my treasure? And I guess one of the ways to ask and know, is that my treasure? Well, is that occupying your time? Is that filling your mind? Because many of the things that occupy our minds have no real value. No spiritual value, anyway. This past week, I shared with you, I was, I was losing focus. <laughs> I, I was losing focus on the most important things so I could worry about things that were, well, just right here. And the problem is, when we start to worry about this, and we start to do that, and we start, we get busy, and we get wrapped up, and we get distracted, and we forget about the best things. <laughs> I, I said to Lisa at one point this week, I said, why is it we know that there's these things that are really good for us, and we don't do them? Like eating salad, or <laughs> working out. Or, or spending time in, in prayer and praising. We know that those are good for us, and yet those are the first things we push out because we get busy. Why is it we know they're good, but then we don't do them? And, and literally most of us, and I'm putting myself in here, we spend the majority of our day focused on the wrong things. We begin to think that these wrong things, the things we shouldn't be spending so much time, they become the treasure, and our life becomes out of balance. And for me, anyway, when life gets out of balance, I begin to get anxious, and I get depressed, and then I get angry. And nothing good comes from an out-of-balance life. Uh, you see, when our treasure becomes more important than God, things really get out of whack. I, I've been reading some data this week, and it was about depression and anxiety. And uh, it's at an all-time high, just here in the United States, but really worldwide. Anxiety and depression has increased, get this, in the last two years, from 2020, 25%. There's 40 million Americans that say they have had an episode of extreme anxiety or depression. 40 million people. It's at this all-time high, and, and we all know we've heard it, we've dealt with it, whatever else, but here it is, and then you go, what's going on? Well, then just the next study I read talks about the average American spending seven hours plus a day looking at a computer screen, 
looking at their phones, watching television. And, and I get it. We have to do some of that for work, but over seven hours every day. But then we can't say, I think I'll take 15 minutes this morning and pray and praise God because I've got to get to work. I'm too busy. I've got all these things. And then there's all this stuff. And I'm just going to say the United States, and you can Google this. It's a magical old device. Just type them in. You get an answer. Google it. We have more stuff than ever before in history. In fact, we have so much stuff that we have to build warehouses just to store our stuff. To me, that's the craziest thing ever, but we do it because we don't want to lose our stuff, our treasure, right? And guess what? We have this treasure. We've got this. We've got this to look at. We've got this to do, and our minds get so distracted that our life becomes out of balance. And honestly, I I feel like our, our minds and our hearts have almost been stolen, even more than distracted. And you just think about Jesus' words. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? What are you holding on to? And we go back to the parable, the rich fool. That's what Jesus called him. What made him a rich fool? It wasn't having barns. It wasn't having a healthy crop. It wasn't being rich. It says this is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. What made him a fool was that he wasn't rich toward God. And so what does it look like to be rich toward God? That's a pretty good question because I'm just guessing God doesn't want our warehouses full of stuff I mean, that's why we have it in a warehouse, right? And, and, and I have a lot of stuff, but I don't think giving it to God's really going to help. He doesn't really need much out of my bank account. Now, it is good to be generous. It's, it's good to give. But being rich toward God, oh, what does that look like? Because in all honesty, I don't have anything valuable enough to give God. Well, if we go to the the Bible, when we look at what is important to God. We just go to the Ten Commandments. Let's start there. In Deuteronomy, we have the first three. Three out of ten commandments. Here they are. You must not have any other God but me. That's God's command to us. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind. You must not bow down to them or worship them. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Have you ever thought about the first three commandments are all about him? I mean, basically he's saying, you need to love me, you need to worship me, and you need to honor me. And then you go to the New Testament, and Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? And he immediately says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second's equally important, love your neighbors yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And so often I go immediately, man, we need to love our neighbor, we need to love our neighbor, which we do. But the first and most important is we can't love our neighbor until we love God. And we honor God. No other commandment is better than these. That's what he's telling us. So what are we supposed to do? Well, I think God's telling us to love him, to worship him, to praise him, to honor him. That's where it all begins. And, and the problem is we get so distracted that praise, praising and loving God just 
kind of leaves our mind because our minds are so filled with all the other things of life. And when we fill our minds with love and praise, it actually changes our lives. When we're rich toward God, he is rich toward us. (laughs) From the very beginning, when God created us, he created us to praise him. He created us to worship him. And, and that's when we are at our best is when we are praising and worshiping God. And that becomes our treasure. When he becomes our treasure, because nothing can take the place of worship. Nothing can take the place of a love, love for your God. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you go back to Psalm 40, and you look at David in here. David was no stranger to to, to depression, to being upset. I mean, you can read through. I mean, this guy was always up and down. But at the same time, David was a man after God's own heart. And you read through this and go, why was he a man after God's own heart? (laughs) Because he worshiped. David loved to worship. When you read Psalm 40, it talks about being lifted out out of the slimy pit, out of the mud. But first, David cries out to God. In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the depression, David cries out and God lifts him out. And he sets his feet on a rock. And he puts a song of praise in his mouth. I look at that and I go, so often when we're in the midst of the pit, when we're in that place and life is out of balance, the last thing we do is cry out to God. And sometimes praising God is just crying out to God. And he responds. You see, when we are rich toward God, he is rich toward us. And loving and worshiping God literally has the power to change our lives. If you've been here very often, you know I love reading books about the brain. I don't fully understand them, but I love reading it because every time I read this stuff, it's like it's this picture of how God created us. And this week I was reading these these studies on the brain and how praise and prayer affects our brains compared to chaos or or life being out of balance. And what's amazing is I've shared this before, but I've shared it that we have these new little neurons that that are born every night in our brain. And they have nothing written on them. Well, this study said that we have 300 million new brain cells that are born during a good night's sleep. So if you get a good night's sleep, you wake up in the morning and you have 300 million new brain cells. How awesome is that? And and then when you wake up, you have the potential to make these brain cells strong and healthy. Or you can do what you always do, right? And just kill them off. It's like, what do you mean kill them off? Well, here's the thing. In this one study, it said that when we are angry, when we are frustrated... When we are anxious, it releases a chemical into our brains that literally kills our brain cells. When we get angry, anger is worse than any other emotion. When you get angry, it literally poisons your brain. Just stop and think about that. When when we are out of whack and out of balance and angry at life, guess what? We're literally hurting our own brains. 
And then the study goes on. You've got these two guys. They're doctors. One of them says, yeah, I'm an atheist. The other one says, I don't know how I feel about God. But here's what we found in this study. Okay, these people, if they're angry, they get all these brain cells. They're killed. These people over here, we sent them to worship every Sunday. And all of them said they spend at least 30 minutes during the week worshiping God. Guess what? These people over here had the healthiest brains in the whole study. Why? These people that don't believe in a God said, well, when you worship God, when you praise God, it's healthy for you. It makes your brain better. It makes you smarter. It makes you healthier physically. All these benefits. Why? Because when we're rich toward God, he is rich toward us. He literally created us to worship him, to praise him. And when we do that, our lives are better. How are we rich toward God? We praise him. We worship him. And the study says, if you do 7 to 12 minutes a day, 7 to 12 minutes, or we can spend 7 hours looking at our screens, 7 to 12 minutes praising and worshiping every day makes you healthier. <laughs> you see, when we choose to love and worship God, it transforms our attitudes, it transforms our relationships, it transforms our lives. Loving and worshiping God has the power to literally change our lives. Now, there's so many ways to worship God. We've already done it this morning. We have music playing, and, and we worship. Or, or me, I go to the beach, and, I, and before I go out surfing, I worship, or I'm on the board, and I worship. I do it in my office. I do it at home. There's, you can do it anywhere. You can throw your hands up. You can clap. I can't clap and sing at the same time, so I try to avoid that. But you can worship. You can praise, period. You can just sit with your eyes closed. You can scream out. There's no set way to worship God except just to worship God. Our worship team is actually going to come, and we're going to close with worship today. Uh, but as they come, I want you to hear this. If you're longing for contentment, if you're longing for joy and peace, begin with praising God. And I want to read to you what David says at the end of the psalm, Psalm 150. This is what David says. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the tremble and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I read this and I go, David said, just praise him. You can be anywhere, any place. Just praise Him. And we're going to end today literally just worshiping our God. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for creating us in such a profound and amazing way. And I pray, Lord, that you would be in our praise this morning. We pray this in your name.